are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And we're bringing back... One of our favorite guests, Josh Neighbors. You know him from Locked On Nationals. He also runs Locked On Big 12. Like I promised, today is the first of our college baseball previews. We're talking all things Big 12. I wanted to bring in the expert. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm glad to be here. I, I'm. It's nice that I've been able to make an appearance in both capacities. We did the Nationals one, which I really enjoyed. And now we get to do the college baseball one, which is... This is this is much less of an exact science as the Nationals one felt like, right? That, that's a bit more easier with the kind of professional, even if they are just prospects. This this is the nitty gritty with the college baseball. Yeah, there is. Uh, it's it's a lot harder to find information about college pro, uh, yes. about college players than it is about professional guys. But there's still some things we can look at. We can talk about. And obviously, when you start with baseball in the Big Twelve, you know you kind of have to look at. There's four teams in the top 25. So good showing. You've got uh, TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, but everything is headlined by number preseason number one Texas. And I guess that's what to expect when you just came off a college World Series appearance and a close loss to Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I think people were wondering in 2017 when they brought David Pierce on, like what, what you'd be getting, right? Bring him over from Tulane and, and kind of wonder. But Texas is just, a, they are a baseball powerhouse. And you saw it last year, the most the most well-rounded team for my money in the, in the big 12 last year, you know, there were questions at at times TCU looked really great and Oklahoma state looked really good. And as Texas tech is a really tough place to go and win, although the tournament, they had some issues at home, but you know, all those teams had some flaws. This Texas team was from starting pitching to the pen, to the lineup, like pretty much a full strong team that really lacked uh, holes. If you could, if you will. Yeah. And when I was checking everything out and kind of going through the team and, you know, looking at my strengths and weaknesses and what I liked and didn't like, it was really kind of hard to figure out weaknesses for this Texas team. I mean, they lost Ty Madden, uh, you know, ace pitcher. They lost first baseman Zach Zubia, but like virtually everybody else came back and not everybody had to. Uh, Ivan Melendez last year's, I believe he was like DH of the year. He could have gone pro. Yeah, he ranked. Yeah, but he he brought his 319 average, 13 homers, 51 RBIs. He brought all that back, and he didn't have to. Um, so, I mean, it actually turns out you've got the you've got seven preseason All Big Twelve players, including three preseason All Americans. And I I really think one of the big strengths of this Texas team is just the pitching staff, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of uh, Pete Hansen got preseason Big Twelve Pitcher of the Year. Uh, Last year, nine and one record, a one eight eight ERA and eighty strikeouts. But it's just it's amazing to me how deep all the way through this team is, and how even they added more talent to what was already a really good team last year. Yeah, their pitching staff is going to be strong again. I mean, you, you think about obviously Ty Madden's the guy at the top, but Tristan Stevens and, and Pete Hansen is the one you just mentioned, but you know, Tristan Stevens and Tanner Witt and Colby Kubitschek and uh, Cole Cantania. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys who have, you know, got a lot of experience at the college level. The big question is a, a lot of times, it, this is the question for every college baseball team is can those guys who are Tuesday, Wednesday guys become your fr- Friday, Saturday, and Sunday guys? 
um, that's, you know, that's always the big question because you see these teams on Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, they'll play the Arkansas State of the world. A uh, couple, couple times they'll have a matchup against, uh, you know, if the Texas teams, at least they'll play a Houston uh, or they'll, you know, they'll play uh, the Sam Houston State or whoever, uh, you know, Dallas Baptist, maybe a, a better example of a good college team you can go and play in the state of Texas. But for the most part, Tuesday, Wednesdays, you're not playing great teams. And so it's hard to judge whether those guys can make the transition, especially when you're talking about a conference like the Big 12, right? And this is a problem that SEC and Big 12 teams have all the time. They've got good young guys, but like if you throw them in there on a Sunday, you know, against LSU, it might get shelled. It might hurt their confidence. So that's really the balancing act. But Texas is pretty well positioned to actually deal with those kind of kinds of problems. Yeah, and and one of the things that really helps a guy make that transition from a weekday to a weekend is the defense. And Texas has one of the better defenses I think you're going to see in college baseball this year. Everybody's fundamentally sound. And, and part of that comes back to coaching, but part of that's just experience. They have so many guys who have played at such a high level and having such a deep tournament run last year. I feel like a lot of guys have they, – they've, they've played so much ball, they've seen so much, and they've all had a chance to correct every – any sort of mistakes they would have had from the lost 2020 season. And then even bringing in guys, they brought in Skywar messenger from Kansas. I mean, they, they bring a guy in who's got experience who can start right away as well. And so having a great defense just kind of helps with the transition. Yeah. And last year, you know, in, in all the defensive categories, they were pretty much better than, than their opponents. Uh, I mean, you know, just across the board, they had a really nice season defensive end. And that kind of goes back to what we talked about. Like they are the most complete team uh, there's a reason why they get the preseason ranking of number one, uh, even despite whatever happened last season, despite what they lost last season too, you know, and they had a good recruiting class, another top 20 uh, class for them, top 15, I think, depending on where you look. And so they, and once again, a couple transfers to add those in the mix, they should be sitting pretty. Yeah. And, and talking about transfers, the, the next team, number seven, Oklahoma state, 36 19 last year, uh, lost in the Tucson re regional to UC Santa Barbara, but really did a great job of going out the transfer portal and getting guys. And so when I look at this team, I see a team that lost pieces, but still has a lot of talent, one in the transfer portal. And then, you know, so now has a well rounded, not going to be the best lineup, not going to be the best pitching staff, but it's going to be one of the better lineups and better pitching staffs. And the question for me is, how do you take all of these guys and plug them in and make it work right away at Oklahoma state. Yeah. Well, you know, their coaching staff is like one of the talk about like attracting players and wanting to go and play somewhere for those of you who don't know out there. So Josh holiday is their head coach. They have Matt holiday who all of us know is a volunteer assistant coach. And also Robin Ventura is a student assistant that is his title. I, I believe he's like, you know, he's back there taking classes, whatever that one is. I think he's still with them uh, now, but at least he was, he was there last season. Like that's a, I mean, that's a pretty damn good staff. Is that the new money ball of college baseball? Get a right. professional veteran to go take one class. So that yeah. he can be a student assistant. That is fantastic. He's, I didn't, he's I didn't realize he was a student assistant. Yeah. At least he was last year. So he might, I, I, I mean, I believe at least, uh, yeah, he's in the 2022 uh, staff. So yeah, they, they bring back Matt holidays, a volun volunteer, right? So that helps you there. Um, you know, that that's, that's across a lot of these sports that are non-revenues is that yeah. these people will take volunteer positions. Now, a lot of them will actually end up having some other title with the university ostensibly, you know, something in fundraising, whatever else. I think he's just probably, 
<laughs> volunteer because you know he's made enough money in his career. But yeah, yeah. Robin Ventura, student assistant. So th- attracting talent for them is never really a, a problem for them. Just you know, delivering is is what they have to do. And um, their lineup at times last year was was, was really good, pretty top heavy. Um, and so I think trying to even that out all the way through is the big key for them coming up uh, this season as well. And also kind of evening up that pitching as well for them is going to be a, a big key, but they do return a lot. So I think uh, they've got a pretty good chance to, to maybe give Texas a run for the money this year. Yeah. And, and a lot of the pieces that they brought in were guys who were coming from a lower level or a Juco. So Northern Kentucky gave them mm-hmm. first baseman Griffer, Dorsering, I'm gonna try that. Um, Juco DH and Lyle Miller Green, you know, Haston Merwell, the second baseman. And so it's it's guys who have done it but not at that level, or a youngster like Victor Medeiros from Miami. And he's mm-hmm. a guy I want to get to a little bit later as far as you kind of talk about. In, guys he's really in interesting, depth. isn't he? He's very interesting. But yeah, he, there, there's a lot to like there. And so they've got all the pieces. And the question it's, it's kind of like you said for Texas, who can step up? from the weekday to the weekend in the rotation. And then who's going to be that power bat that they need? Cause like you said, they were top heavy last year uh, and they've lost some of that. So who's going to be that guy who's going to come in and drive the offense and, and put, put uh, runs on the board. And I, I think they have the per. I think they have the guys. I just don't know how quickly it meshes, but like you said, best coaching staff to make it happen to probably anybody in the big 12. Yeah, and this this league, you're gonna have to put up runs. I mean, they they get into some shootout. As good as the pitching is, um, some of these teams don't have the don't have that that kind of power in the back end of the rotations, and so you're gonna be able to put up some runs. You know, at a place like Texas Tech on a Sunday where the wind's carrying out and the game becomes eleven to eight. So yeah, that's that is the huge thing for them is can you replace you know a guy like in Carnacion Strand and uh, I'm not sure if Jake Thompson's back again, but they they've got a whole lot to kind of do there, but they filled the roster pretty well. And that's a team that's going to be active, you know, in the transfer, I guess what they don't really call the transfer portal in college baseball, but uh, it's going to be active with the transfers. And you mentioned Texas tech. I want to get to them real quick. Uh, 14, you know, number 14 in the preseason rankings, uh, 39, 17 last year, lost the super regionals at they home. Got killed. They got absolutely Stanford. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's always been kind of the MO of this Texas tech team is they're going to be good defensively. They're going to get the most out of the guys and they're going to get a home regional and then they have a chance to make some noise and they just got walloped by Stanford. And so the issue that I see here with this team, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the issue I see here is they have a ton of experience on this roster. A lot of guys have played plenty of college baseball, but a lot of these guys were role players. So a lot of these guys, like none of the, the fifth year seniors have, have had more than 145 at bats in a single season or like multiple seasons of 100 at-bats. A lot of guys have been, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start at first on a Tuesday, but I'm a backup on the weekend, and now they're mm-hmm. all having to come in and start. And so wh- what should we expect from this Texas Tech team this year as compared to a typical Texas Tech team? Well, whenever you have a, a Tim Tadlock coach team, I think you're going to expect them to – I mean, at least when I watch them, I think they're pretty fundamentally sound. They're well-coached. Um you know, he's so well-respected and, and they really do care about the baseball at Texas Tech. So this is a program that like gets the attention, gets the resources, basically gets everything that they need. But yeah, I mean, they, they've got some, uh, some replacing to do up and down the roster. I, I mean, for them, you know, last year losing guys like Drew Baker is, is something that's going to hurt them a lot. Uh, Cal Connolly uh, losing him, you know, I think Cole Stillwell 
and Jace Young, obviously, are the two big guys returning. But, like, they, they did lose a lot last year. So how can you kind of plug and play? Now, I will say the good thing is when you have a guy like Jace Young, it makes things a bit easier all the way around your lineup, right? <laughs> We're just going to return the Big 12 player of the year. It's it's kind yes. of plugs a hole in the middle of your lineup there. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, slash line of 337, 462, 697, 21 homers, 67 RBIs. The question that I kind of have is, I mean, you know the pitching is going to be good, which – I feel like Texas Tech's never really been carried by their pitching, but I think mm-hmm. they, at least at the beginning of the season, may get carried by the pitching. And then who's going to step up to give Jace that protection that he needs in the lineup? And that's really the big question for Texas Tech. Yeah, that's that's going to be it, is, is who can you add around him? Because, I mean, think about last year, like, you know, in terms of batting average, actually, it wasn't even top of the team. It was Drew Baker, who hit 343. Uh, you know, on base percentage, Baker got on the, you know, he was 406 last season. Cal Connolly, guy at 329 but the 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 key is can you get those guys in the non-conference good to go for the conference play because that that's where the the competition level steps up and you need to be able to protect him in conference play because last year he elevated his game in conference play uh jace young did you have to have everybody else around him do that as well you know well well if if you're trying to to up your game something that may work for you in this new year is a built bar so Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, might even be better than a candy bar. It's 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. So it's good for you. Um, my wife and I just got a box of Built Bars in the other day. We got the variety pack. So we actually went and drafted flavors. We took all the nine flavors. You know, um, I end up with both peanut butter brownies, but I didn't get either mint brownie. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I won or I lost that, but I did get all the salted caramels uh, and she got all the raspberries. So like, there's plenty of options for everybody. Go to built.com, check out all of the flavors. They have the regular ones and the limited time. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So while we're talking about those, those top 25 teams, the last one is, is TCU. And I just want to be real quick on that because I have to get to the coaches poll. But, but I do find it interesting that the team that lost their head coach is still coming in as a top 25 team and, you know, 41, 19 lost their home regional to Dallas Baptist, which like you said, is a really tricky school to schedule for a Tuesday when they could go out and beat you in a regional. Um, and I think that TCU is, it's looks to me like a, a very young, but very talented outfield. And then a very deep infield with the fret, with the reigning freshman of the year, they're kind of carrying the load for everybody. But yeah, for them, the big question is going to be the, it's going to be, uh, the coach, right? Kirk Sarlos comes in. Now, it's not a huge question because he's been there for eight years, right? The, right? Everybody's familiar with Kirk Sarlos. But, you know, he is going to now be elevated to the head coaching position. And so we'll see what comes with that. But this is a team, you know, last year I talked a lot with Stephen Simcox, a host locked on Horn Frogs. It just seemed like they could not figure out their their Sunday starter. Like they really just – and sometimes even Saturdays wouldn't even go well for them. Their pitching was just so inconsistent – and it put them in, in a, a variety of bad positions uh, in different series. A really, t- they're such a talented team, but we'll see if they can get that pitching aspect cleaned up this year. Yeah, and that's just something where you need a guy to step up, and and you you know the offense is going to do well. You're you're bringing back the Big Twelve Freshman of the Year in Braden Taylor. You expect him to not have a sophomore slump. You're just kind of given that he's had somewhat of a normal off season, and so you hope that goes well. And when you look at the coaches poll for the whole conference, was any of this really surprising? So Texas obviously was number one, got eight of the nine total votes. Oklahoma State got the ninth vote. 
um, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, and then below that, Kansas State, West Virginia, Kansas. Is that pretty much how everybody kind of sees it shaking out, or is there anything that's surprising in that list? I'm surprised Oklahoma State got a first-place vote. Uh, I am surprised by that. And Texas just has the consensus right now. So the fact that they even got one is surprising. Um, You know, I I think that was you can't you couldn't vote for your own team. So Texas had to vote for somebody else. Somebody had to vote for somebody else. That that would be that would be the one vote. Um, I you know I I actually I would have placed it towards Texas Tech. Actually, I feel like that that might be the better position team. That's just me though. You know, I'm not gonna uh, disagree with Coach Pierce what he's doing there, but. Yeah, I think this is about what we expect. When you get to that middle group, it's actually kind of like football in some respects, the Big 12. You want to know who is that middle team that's going to emerge. But the the upper, unlike football, the upper class here is a bit bigger. You have a big four. Yeah, I mean, you have a big four. So the question is, because can one of Baylor, Oklahoma, or Kansas State end up kind of making a push? I think Kansas State might be interesting uh, option Oklahoma's made a lot, had a, a decent amount of roster turnover and, and, and uh, brought in some pretty good players too. So I think they could make a push, but yeah, the top four is the top four here. And, it, and um, this is one of the most top heavy conferences in all of America. I know uh, the, the SEC is number one. I mean, just cause they have so many good teams, but it's, you'll be hard pressed in other conferences to find four teams that, that are this good. Absolutely. And, and I think it, when I look at it, it really looks like there's the big four, there's the next four, and then in yeah, poor Kansas. In the words of of Moneyball, there's fifty feet of crap. Yeah, and then there's awesome. Kansas. It kind of feels like like Kansas is is not really a that relevant in the conversation, but at least they have a baseball team. They do. Iowa State does not have a baseball Shout team. Shout out Iowa State. Now, now here's the question: Would you rather have a baseball team that's just awful, or would you rather just not have one at all? I'm sure the rest of the conference is happy getting the guaranteed win, but you probably would just rather them not even be there and be able to schedule somebody else out of conference. I don't think it does much for a TV deal or anything. So yeah, it, no, I don't think Iowa State baseball is you know really helping boost that that Big Twelve Plus ESPN Plus deal. I will say KU baseball, much like football, is uh, their football team is is kind of a disaster. So yeah. You know, well, well, speaking of um of things that may be disasters, I know that people in in Kansas City. Uh, think that the NFL season's a disaster right now because they're not in the big game. But betonline.net has way more, more stuff to play or to bet on this playoff season. I mean, you can do points scored, totals, player performances, props, where the next fired coaches are going to go. Bet is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. Betonline.net has basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all those odds best in the business from sports all the way down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games because BetOnline is where the game starts. And so since this show is Locked on MLB Prospects, what I kind of want to do is I I kind of want to – there's a couple players that I, I picked out um, that interest – are a lot of interest to MLB teams right now, guys that are draft eligible that – that we're we're kind of impressed in and i i kind of want to get your thoughts on some of these guys i gave some scouting notes as well i know we've we've both been looking at these but you've probably seen them a little more firsthand than i have um the first one's obviously our friend from texas tech jace young for for the pro game we really see him as an offensive first lefty Mm -hmm. with power and 
I don't necessarily know where in the infield you're going to put him because he has above average ability to play second or third. But I do know that there's a small part of me wants him to get drafted by the Rangers just to get to play with his older brother, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but is there anything he can, it, that he can do in college this year to improve his draft stock? Or is he just kind of seen as pretty much a finished product? I would say hit, hit for power on the road a bit more. The, the big thing about Texas Tech Stadium is that, like, and this is a real thing, the wind really carries. If you go back and watch um, a couple of their games against TCU this past year, and one of the games he had two home runs in. Like he made contact and the ball went out of the park and it was, and it was one of those where you're like, mm, I like to know how far that ball would actually travel in kind of a more neutral setting. Um, it's not like he didn't hit for a lot of power on, on the road. I, I think, let's see, I think this was 12 of his home runs came in conference play. I think he hit like nine of his 31. I think it was 31 total that he hit last year. Mm. I think like nine of those might've come on the road. So there is some questions about interesting split. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot how many home runs he hit total um, last season. He hit 30. So I'm, I'm trying to find, uh, he hit 21 total, not 31, 21 home 21. runs. So I think I forgot how many, hit. it was like seven or eight, kind of seven or eight or nine, that range. So, um, you know, I want to see if that, if that can kind of progress to the point where it's like, all right, this isn't just a Texas tech is windy, you know, uh, as in, in April type situation. This is a legit, you know, we know he's got power, but let's see if it's it was something that keeps on translating elsewhere. See, this is why scouting is important because the analytics don't usually tell you how fast the wind is right. at the ballpark. This is why scouts on the ground still have a place in baseball. That was, that, that was great. Thank you. Um, okay. So the next guy we mentioned him earlier, but Victor Medeiros, the pitcher for yeah. Oklahoma state, he's a guy to me that he's got a great physical profile and his delivery looks really simple, easily repeatable, but he doesn't have a lot of deception, and I feel like like he's more hittable than he should be. Um, I look at, you know, fistball, uh, his, his fastball is mid-90s, has good vertical break on it, but because he has that three-quarters arm slot and his release, it's just, it's there. You can see it, and you can hit it. His curveball is great, hammer curveball, um, heavy break on it. But the change, he needs to locate that better. So three pitches, three uh a good physical profile, good pitches, but he needs to do some more work with them. Is it something where you have the ability to kind of tweak some of the fundamental stuff about your delivery and the way you pitch a baseball in the big 12? Like, do you have the, the, the space and a weekend to do that? Or is that something where he's going to have to fix that when he gets to the big leagues after he's drafted? Well, I mean, so he gets the preseason all American honor from, I think it was, it was, it was, Baseball America. Baseball America. They, so I guess I was reading what they do is they ask uh, scouting departments, right? They, they have them give them kids because if this was a performance thing, he would not be on here, right? This is not somebody who, I mean, he's transferring from a really good program in Miami, but like, if you go look at the results last year, it was pretty hittable and the ACC is a good conference. So I think it's actually a, it, it, it's probably a good thing that he was hit there. It's a good thing that he's staying in a power conference where it's good competition. Um, you go to a place like, I mean, the kids, once again, the physical profiles there, the fact that he throws four pitches is really appealing too. I think it's why scouts like him a lot. It's got four pitches that he does. He does will can whatever you want to say will throw. 
I think maybe we dial that back and work on getting to two or three that we really like and we can use and we're more effective with, and then mm. we can build off. I mean, you're, you know this better than I do, but like, is that something that a guy could, you know, you might tell a guy is like, Hey, you got four, but if we're not, if we're mixing all four and we're not getting people out, we got to focus a bit more on one or two of them and then we can b- build our way back up. Yeah. It's something where you have a time to, to refine and hone and get better at pitches and you have a time to actually put up and, and, and get guys out. And it feels like maybe a non-conference weekend, maybe a Tuesday or something, you know, maybe that's a time when you can go in and you can, Hey, I want to work on a slider or I want to make this change break better, but something like a Friday night, you know, um, home against Oklahoma, home against Texas. Like you need to be able to focus on Mm -hmm. what you can do well and you can get your outs. And I think he's still probably a, a, a top three rounds draft pick. If he goes out and looks fine, he doesn't have to excel to get drafted. But I think if he does put it all together and he does show the ability somehow overnight to bring in that fourth pitch and have everything look um, look consistent and have some deception to it, he can probably vault himself into, I mean, the second or maybe even the first round. So uh, it that would do wonders for Oklahoma State catching Texas in the division, but also just for him personally. Um, and then, like, talking about guys that can – can do a lot in the conference this year. Uh, Peyton Graham from Oklahoma, the third baseman. He he's had a really interesting time now because he's a third baseman, but he played some outfield in the Cape Cod League. And I kind of the professional projection on him, I kind of see him as a third baseman or a corner outfielder with with plus power. And his swing reminds me a lot of Chris and Yelich when you kind mm. of look at the way that he has the little elbow swing and the leg kick. Looks like he's modeled his game after that. But the question is. Can he put it all together enough to uh, to contend for player of the year in the Big 12? I think that's that's actually his probably his true ceiling. And I'm not quite sure if he's being talked about as a possible player of the year in the Big 12. Yeah, I think with him, there's just a lot of questions about, you know, because he had a really good start to the COVID shortened season, had mm-hmm. a really good year last year. Um, and, and so you're wondering, hey, can you take a step forward this year? He's a tall kid. He's a really skinny kid. He's a really thin uh, guy, and he needs to fill out a bit more because he's at 6'4", 171, as they have him listed right now. Yeah. So he's got to fill out some more. Because you think about Christian Yelich, he's not like a huge dude, but he is like, you know, he's he's built. He's sturdy. He's sturdy, yeah. And and, and so uh, we're getting to a point now, you know, with Graham where he's redshirt. I think sophomore. So we're getting towards 2021. This is where I want to see that a little bit bigger. Let's see if the consistency will be there. Let's see if the consistency in the field is going to be there too. But if he puts those things together, there's no reason why he can't be. And so that's why that first stretch of the games, you know, early on in the season where you're playing your lesser opponents, you know, you can build up sometimes a false sense of confidence actually is good. Like if you're like, man, I am the man, I am great. Yeah. That can carry carry forward for you. Actually, be good. Make it till you make it, baby. Right, exactly. You can be like, oh wow, I'm I'm really good. And, you know, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't really matter who I'm facing. Um, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form he'll fake it till he makes it. But like, let's see if like he can kind of build off what he did last year. And I want to see if the numbers from 2020 can hold up. Like, because it's actually if you take the 2020 numbers and you were to stack them into 2022 and then play them out, like that would kind of actually be a natural progression in terms of the fielding and in terms of the uh, production of the plate. So let's see if he can do that. That's the big question for me. Yeah. And talking about guys who have that, have that big question about what can they truly do with the plate. um, Jared McKenzie, the center fielder for Baylor. Mm. He's a guy that 
I've seen two different Jared McKenzie's. If you watched him um, in 2021, it looked like he had figured out the power tool. Uh, I mean, absurd slash line, 383, 453, 626. 51 games, he had. He only had 10 home runs, but 35 to 15 strikes to walks. I mean, really looked like he had figured the power out. Then he gets to the Cape Cod League. They hand him a wooden bat, and he bats 228, 316, 245. Um, 36 strikeouts to 11 walks and you know and it's it's like okay so which one is he is he the metal bat guy we saw is he the wood bat guy we saw or with that small frame does he have is the wood guy is the wood bat guy in there somewhere with some time in a weight room and some and some some personal training and development like where where is jared mckenzie um like which one is more is more him yeah, I mean, maybe he's somewhere in the middle, but like he played, I mean, he played fifty plus games last year and was dynamite. So it's yeah, a part of you know, a big part of you has to believe. All right, like, like this is this the this larger dude, sample is right. The larger sample is the right sample. Now, uh, once again, there is there is something to be said, but like you said, for his performance in terms of where you know that might go and uh, with his pro uh, prospects, but like. I, you'd hate to see him come back and, and that kind of affect him at Baylor. I doubt it does. I think he gets, he, he's going to be right back at home. He's one of the best players in the Big 12. Um, was the best player. It was a pretty relatively decent Baylor team last season. So somewhere in the middle would be my answer to uh, the, the kind of question that we're posing here. As a Big 12 homer, I'd like to say more towards that upside. But there are some th- – I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, somebody who's going to – doesn't steal a lot of bases. Uh, he gets on a, a decent amount too. Doesn't hit for a ton of power. So, you know, he's got some areas of his game that he can grow, but it's almost like he's got to refine what he was last year first. Then we'll talk about growing. Absolutely. And and talking about uh, growing, a guy who's done a lot of that, uh, Justin Campbell from Oklahoma State. So right-hand pitcher, um, also first base, played a lot of DH last year mm-hmm. when he wasn't pitching for Oklahoma State. And I'm not quite sure what he ends up sticking at at – the major league level, his numbers look better pitching, but I've, I've heard from some scouts that there, he has higher upside on the mound. And so as a pitcher, 257 ERA, uh, he started 13 games, pitched 84 innings. His face, his fastball was only about 90, which is not something you see from a guy who's six, seven. So you wonder if there's some development to happen there, but it's got some life to it. It can kind of move around. And then he has a curveball and a changeup. You know, like you said, two pitches, both average to above average. If you have three pitches that you could throw that are all average to to better, I mean, that looks like a pretty decent starter. But he, I just feel like his numbers were so good uh, batting that I don't want to just pigeonhole him and say he's a pitcher. I feel like he could be a good hitter as well. Yeah, this it's it's rare to see a kid at this age with kind of the the uh, the old designated hitter slash pitcher on the bio. Uh, it's it gets at, at this point kind of how specialized we are in a lot of sports. Uh, especially baseball at, at this point to be like, Hey, we got him at both. And he's, and we don't know which one he is yet. Right. That's the fun yeah. part. Like, is he one? Is he the other? Is he both? Um, normally we, you know, he will not end up being both in most cases. He like was he so, had a 257 ERA, but right. he batted 313. Right. I think the key here is that his performances were very varied. Um, yeah. There were some real awesome, great nights for him. Uh, there was a, there were two 11 strikeout evenings for him. There was a 14 Ooh. strikeout evening. There was a 12 strike, 12 strikeout evening against a really good Missouri state team. Uh, you also sprinkle in, uh, you know, a couple 
not awful rough outings, you know, but, but he got touched up a little bit against some of the better teams. And then you throw in a game, you know, like the uh, no hitter he threw last year against Kansas where it was 11 strikeout, no hitter. So this guy, I mean, I think the pitching results are good enough at this point to be like, this, this is something that we have to try the major league level. Um, that coupled with his frame is something I think, yeah, I mean, it's six, seven, two, seventeen, like, like that's just, you can't really pass up on that in my opinion. Um, for Oklahoma state's purposes, let's see how far we can take the hitting thing. Right. But yeah. if you're, but in terms of professionals, uh, you know, the, the, that part, I mean, you tell, you know, you, once again, you know, better than me on this one, you know, you'd say that might be great, but like, I, I think if you're a pro scout, you have to be more invested on him as the pitcher because he had really good results in the big 12. Now, not always against the top teams, but a bunch of good results against teams like Missouri state had a good outing against Texas tech too. So it's a guy that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's number one if I'm a pro scout. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's a guy where it feels like if you can just teach him some consistency and give him a good 10 to 12 pounds of weight, I mean, he has the potential to go out there and, I mean, I'm just right now, like a profile as a number two to number three. Some of the performances that he put up, like you said, I mean, throwing a no-hitter, throwing a, you know, 10 strikeout games, things like that. Like, when he's on, it's electric. He had like five or six, I think, 10-plus strikeout games last year. It's 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 absolutely absurd. And it's it's just one of those, like, like you have to go for that. And then right. you just have to hope the universal DH is not a thing when you get him to the major league level. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Lot to look at the Big Twelve, like you said. Yeah, and Big, can I correct something from earlier? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, uh, go ahead. Chase Young, I think I think I counted it six home runs away from Texas Tech last year, out of the twenty-one that he hit. So you do play more home games, which could feed into it. But that, that I just want to make sure I got that correct. Yeah. Six home runs away from home, fifteen at home. So we'll see if that's a pretty. That's almost a Colorado Rockies style kind of yeah, split right. there, and that's something where where right. when you're evaluating a, like a pro player, you always look at you know the home and away splits, and you correct for things like that. Right. I don't quite think we're always doing that. And three of them came in, in one college. game against Kansas State too. So there's also <laughs> of that. course they did. There wasn't so much had, variety there. He really had three or you know yeah like three or four away. Right. So a, plenty to look at in the Big Twelve. Obviously, like you said, Big Four at the top. You've got that group in the middle, fifty thousand feet of crap, and then Kansas. Um, if folks want more information throughout the season about how these teams are doing in the Big 12 and how sports in the Big 12 are general are going, where can they find you and follow your work? Yes, I appreciate you uh, helping me plug this. You can find us on Twitter at LO Big 12. You can find the show Locked on Big 12 wherever you guys get your podcast and on YouTube as well. You guys can find me on Twitter right here at Josh Nabos underscore. And then obviously don't forget um, also Locked on Nationals. We do talk about, about that. Uh, if you're a National League East fan, actually this Thursday, we're going to have a chat with our friends from the Locked On Braves. And then Friday is going to be our National League East farm preview where we talk about all five farm systems and kind of rank them. So stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. But if folks want more info on Locked On Nationals, how do they get that as well? At LO underscore Nationals on Twitter. You guys can find Locked On Nationals wherever you guys get your podcasts as well. And for Locked On MLB Prospects, I'm Lindsey Crosby. You can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Farm. If you have any questions or emails, send them to us at LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. This has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.